Everyone, this is the Free Thought Project podcast. This is John Vibes. I'm joined by Matt Savoy and Jason Bassler today. We have a few interesting topics to talk about, some that you may have seen on the mainstream media and some of it that you may have not, and most of the angles that we'll cover you definitely didn't hear or see on the mainstream media. But before we get into that, I want to let everybody know that, as you guys are probably aware, we're a new podcast starting out after years of alternative media journalism in the written form, and we've recently been shut down by Facebook, so we definitely would appreciate your rating, review, subscribe, all that stuff adds to our numbers that helps people find us again after being cut off from us. So that would be a huge help if you could do that to support us. And while we're on that subject, actually, we have been republishing our pages in 2.0 format as we're awaiting our appeals, which will probably cancel our old pages. So it's our new process of rebuilding again. And these pages are getting shut down, too. So they're actually specifically coming after us. But interestingly enough, the Free Thought Project 2.0 wasn't taken down. It was specifically Police the Police 2.0. I personally think it has something to do with the name. I think that you know police accountability is obviously not welcome on these platforms anymore. But I believe it was Matt who discovered this this week. And uh, do you want to kind of break it down for us? What happened, Matt? Yeah, sure. And um, actually, just to be on the uh, just to be completely correct here it was taken down and then i appealed it and so did jason they gave us absolutely zero reason um it said the statement given by facebook was it it looks like recent activity on your page doesn't follow the facebook page policies if you think your page was unpublished in error you can appeal it and we'll take another look what facebook's policy is is to delete it first and ask questions later that they take down the content immediately and then they'll go after, you know, to, then you, it's up to you to prove yourself innocent. So Jason and I both actually appealed that, uh, the unpublishing and, um, a, you know, a week or so later, we actually got the page back online. So it was Facebook admitted that they, um, messed up and then actually republished the page, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, well, and also, I mean, they kind of they reinstated our page that has very few people on there, and then they still left down the very same exact page with the same exact content. So I, I think it kind of shows that our other uh, page was specifically targeted because of its size and its reach. Yeah, no doubt. And and we didn't share anything different on this new 2.0 page that we haven't done on the old ones, like on the Police to Police, the regular page or Free Thought Project, for that matter. And they've yet to respond to those appeals. So we don't, we're don't. we not very confident they will respond to those appeals. But um, And in fact, as Bassler might want to add here, it's uh, it's gone even further. Yeah, so uh, this past week, Tumblr actually, what they call terminated my account, which I've had since 2012, before I even started creating Facebook pages. Um, it was all pretty much the same kind of content that we would post throughout our various social media networks. But for whatever reason, uh, no explanation. Of course, once again, these uh, social media companies have a you know, penchant for being absolutely vague with their communication and explanations, which leaves a lot left to be desired to, to try to understand what the hell is going on. So I appealed that. That was five days ago. Uh, we'll see if I get a response. Surprisingly enough, we did get a response from Twitter, and they said, Hello, we're writing to let you know we've reviewed your appeal and your account will remain suspended due to violations of Twitter rules. So, once again, intentionally vague. Twitter, unlike Facebook, allows you to place multiple appeals. I don't know why they have that, but they do. So I'm going to take advantage of it. And uh, I've been sending them, uh, every time I get a response back from them saying that our appeal has been denied, I have to send them a new one for both Police to Police and the Free Thought Project. And so it's actually... The past one that they sent us actually has just a bit more explanation, not much, but it says, 
your account was permanently suspended due to violations of Twitter rules prohibiting spam. Specifically, your account was found in violation of our rules prohibiting fake or artificial accounts, interactions, and engagements. And once again, we've never done that. You know, if you've listened to our podcast before, I've explained this. Like, we didn't use Twitter for at least three years. And just until recently, when all these throttles started to happen with our Facebook bans, that's when we started to pick up the Twitter account a little bit more. But we'd never, I mean, I don't, we don't share other people's posts. Like, all I do is literally schedule the same stuff that I would on Facebook, on Instagram, and put it up there. So what they're saying is completely false. So just another example, um, just yesterday, Instagram removed another uh, image of ours. Um, So we're kind of getting attacked from all angles here, whether it be on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram. Was that the Thanksgiving Day one? Yeah, yeah, that was the Instagram post was uh, basically like a picture of like a pilgrim and a Native American, and it said, Thanksgiving, celebrating the day Americans fed disease, undocumented, non-native language speaking, illegal aliens from Europe. And I don't really feel like that's incorrect. I don't really feel like that's any type of, uh, quote, hate speech. It actually goes more um, in line with what I was reading earlier. And I think I shared with you guys in our free thought project chat. But a lot of this stuff is actually all done by algorithms. And, uh, you know, I guess we kind of knew that before, but they just recently on the 15th made like a newsroom update explaining a little bit more about their processes and how they're taking more action. Um, they're kind of boasting about it, actually. They, they say, quote, we're getting better at proactively identifying violent content before anyone reports it, specifically for hate speech, violence, and graphic content. Funny thing is, though, is this what actually what anybody wants? You know, like, doesn't, isn't the the majority opinion for a generally uncensored internet? Yeah, no one wants to be told, spoon-fed this information. It seems like Facebook is taking this measure on their own, you know, based on, like, what the government keeps telling them. But and they're no... acting like they're providing a service and doing a favor to everybody else in their statements. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and <laughs> and we got to, to to put that in perspective, we got to look at what they are censoring and what they're not censoring. So most of the content that they censor is, is stuff like what we put out, which is peaceful political content that, on government accountability, police accountability, these things that that call out corruption and and the hypocrisy of the state. And in the meantime, you know, they're they're literally selling children on Facebook posts that stay up for for weeks. Then this is not a conspiracy theory. We actually covered this this week. Fucking insane. So a 16-year-old girl was put online by traffickers who wanted to sell her for marriage. And this was done on Facebook. So the post was allowed to stay up. Uh, The girl was sold. They openly bidded on Facebook for this girl. And these were not just like, this wasn't just any girl that people were bidding on. Like there was high level government officials. This wasn't the United States, but this was in South Sudan. And, but still it was allowed on Facebook and not only allowed, but it was a, it continued until the girl was actually sold and then remained up for uh, a week or so after she was actually sold. So it, while while Facebook is is shutting down our police accountability page and and liberty memes and um, and free thought project pages, they're literally allowing child auctions for 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 girls to be sold into slavery or indentured servitude for marriage. Yeah, they caught it 15 days later and claimed, oh well, we you know we we removed it. And that's against our our terms of service. Well, no shit, it's against your terms of service and. Had you not been so worried about deleting people who question the state and who want to bridge the divide between the left-right paradigm, maybe you would have caught that a little bit earlier, and perhaps the authorities in South Sudan could have gone and stopped this child from being sold. You know, that's that's the problem here. Is it's like they're they're more worried about this political content than they are about actual content, like where a child is is up for auction, which is disturbing. And, and you know, what's funny is like I read a. Interesting post by Mark Zuckerberg uh, on the 15th that he made, and it was entitled uh, A Blueprint for Content Governance Enforcement. And I think I shared this with you guys as well, but he said, um, and this kind of blew me away because, you know, I'm not really sure where he lies here, if he's actually like a sociopathic liar, hypocrite, or if somebody's kind of twisting his arm to implement all this uh, tyrannical content enforcement. But, um, the first line says, many of us got into technology because we believe 
It was a democratizing force for putting power in people's hands. I've always cared about this, and that's why the first words of our mission have always been, give people the power. I believe the world is better when more people have a voice to share their experiences and when traditional gatekeepers like governments and media companies don't control what ideas can be expressed. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, I agree with what he says, but I don't agree with, the, with uh, that his actions correlate with that at all. Well, then he followed it up by completely discounting in, in that statement, you know, he, he like how he wants to, how the Facebook wants to move to, to get rid of content that kind of pushes the boundaries. Yeah, that's actually one thing I wanted to touch on because they are actually admitting that it's something that's borderline that they approve, that they, they want on their site. People apparently always push this line and those types of posts get more engagement um, and what they say is our research suggests that no matter where we draw the lines for what is allowed, a piece of content gets close to that line. People will engage with it more than on average. Even when they tell us afterwards they don't like the content, this is a basic incentive problem that we can address by penalizing borderline content so it gets less distribution engagement. So that's kind of crazy because we're not even breaking the rules, but we're still noticing that our posts are getting throttled. And so this makes total sense because now they finally admitted that this is what they're doing. And they've also said they do the same thing when it comes to groups and pages as well. Um, and quote, this pattern may apply to groups people join and pages they follow as well. This is especially important to address because while social networks in general expose people to more diverse views, and while groups in general encourage inclusion and acceptance, diverse groups and pages can still fuel polarization. To manage this, we need to apply these distribution changes not only to feed ranking, but to our recommendation systems for things that you should join. So that makes total sense why a lot of these big alternative media pages died at like a certain amount. I, can't, I mean, we've had tons of people reach out to us and say, our followers died at like a certain amount. I can't get past 100,000 followers. It makes total sense. And we've seen this ourselves on our group just recently in the past month. Our um, number of members have just plummeted. There was a time there when we were getting 50 to 100 a day. Uh, we're lucky if we get 15 to 20 now. I mean, we're posting more now than, than ever in quality content. So it, it makes sense. Right. They want they want to keep everybody in a safe space because they understand that controversial content might lead to people getting past certain views and they don't want that. The, the Facebook wants everybody to stay in their own little in their own little box in their own little compartment that it, that they want them in and uh anybody who crosses those boxes which is they which this content actually helps to do um then that's a danger to the establishment because people who bridge the divide and break that divide and see something outside of their little information bubble they might start questioning things and then that would be dangerous also we, we we definitely want to remind everybody that the motivation here for this is because facebook is partnered with a a group that pretty much is associated with everybody that we criticize from the police unions to the pharmaceutical companies to the military industrial complex and on uh you know it, the atlantic council pretty much comprises of all these different organizations and then some and you know it's it's not just Mark, that mark zuckerberg has a uh personal agenda against alternative media or anything like that it's that they for some reason or another probably coerced or, or willingly because they're trying to play along because they don't want to get broken up into some kind of public utility or something like that they are partnering with these groups that have a definite agenda and these groups are using these platforms as you guys said to specifically target political information while ignoring things that are actually problem issues whether it be slave auctions or child pornography or things like that there's certain things that algorithms won't be able to pick up and when they do i mean they're problematic right so like that's why i got a 30-day ban for an et meme uh, and just actually just recently, just yesterday, I think I saw a post from Jeff Berwick. He recently got a 30-day ban. The notification he got was, you may have used Facebook in a way our systems consider unusual. Even if you didn't mean to, you can't post again in 29 days. And it's like, how does that improve the user experience? And we're just people who use you know, Facebook and social media to try to plant seeds. This is part of what we do. This is part of our job. But if you're just a regular normie and you're using Facebook and these things are coming up, 
course, we're getting more attention because of the information we post, but I'm almost positive these algorithms are also affecting just normal everyday users. And it is, and I, I, I've heard feedback from multiple people, whether it is a young hip-hop artist trying to promote their mixtape or a DJ trying to promote an event that they're playing at. Those things, as simple as them, those people are, are, are getting screwed and flagged, and they're unable to build their their businesses or, or put out their art, which actually really sucks because a lot of the reason why I was successful early on with my rave company is because I utilized MySpace to bring a lot of people into these events. And that was an example of the internet bringing people together and creating this and essentially turning me into an entrepreneur. That is definitely not possible for young artists now. And it's much more difficult for young entrepreneurs now who almost need an investor for a marketing budget to pay for Facebook ads to just get their friends and stuff to see it. This is a very important issue that is affecting many people and it will continue to. And on the issue of media, this is definitely going to radically change the conversation one way or another, whether it's going to completely push everybody back into the left-right paradigm because other voices aren't welcome, or if it's going to create some kind of hopefully new renaissance of, of distribution channels because there is a, a need for true information or at least uh, another perspective. I don't want to say that we're always the truth, but we're another perspective. I think that we are actually not to that point yet, but I, I do find that point to be inevitable where the market demand is that we need to be moved from Facebook. But we can we can see the what's actually happening with these moves by Facebook. You know, like did you didn't you post a, an article about uh, like Yemenis children being um, slaughtered or in the, in the genocide, and then Facebook removed it recently? Vibes. Yeah, actually, it was um, it was the Mint Press News article about how many millions of children and innocent civilians have been killed since 9-11 overseas by the U.S. military. Yeah. And that that was uh, taken down. Considered and it's spam. a fact. The U.S. kills children overseas and the U.S. military kills children overseas. That's that's not a, it's undisputed. The U.S. government admits to it and they're deleting that for people sharing that. The implications of such censorship are are starting to materialize. We're seeing. You know, we're we're seeing no one question wars anymore. We're seeing build up against Iran, just like we did to uh, go into Iraq. Uh, we're seeing all this, and and it's crazy. And it's like no one's saying anything. You know, that the Trump supporters who who were who supported his uh, non-interventionist policy are are um, have gone back to sleep and are are now like, yeah, we you know, Saudi Arabia is not that bad. Uh, you know, maybe we should start a war in Iran. You know, these. And the, the sanctions are now starting to starve people in Iran. The U.S. sanctions in there, and no one's no one's questioning shit. You know, we're all they're all just still tied up, sharing these stupid fake memes that keep going viral, and no one is any wiser. You know, they're they're all back asleep, and and until you know, there I, I thought that this big Facebook purge that we had recently was going to shake people out of their. Uh, you know, out of their stupor and cause it got a lot of coverage internationally. But, uh, you know, weeks later, what comes along is Jim Acosta, one douchebag from CNN gets fucking banned from the white house. And it's this international story and an injustice. The Supreme court comes along and, and that's, that's the story we're talking about. We're not talking about the 800 ind- independent media outlets who are literally changing the world for the better, all being banned by Facebook and Twitter across, you know, multiple platforms. We don't talk about that. We're talking about uh, Jim Acosta. Woo, he he he's can't go in the White House. Oh my God, the injustice, the travesty, the horrid nature of not being able to cover the bullshit that they talk about at these White House press briefings. You know, that's the inevitable result of what's happening with Facebook, and we're witnessing that. And until people realize that, you know, then we're not gonna um, we're not gonna see that market for these alternative social media platforms and content sharing platforms. Uh, explode until people understand this yeah and you know the more i go through this situation the more i realize that i i don't think that uh, you know i think the people who follow us the closest i think they really do understand what's going on probably the people who have the uh, you know have been following us for for close enough to subscribe to this and be listening uh, not them but most people just don't have a good understanding of what is going on behind the scenes, both here and in the mainstream media. People think that 
they're the journalists out there doing things and that, you know, the people on the TV and, you know, they're just reading off teleprompters. They're sticking within a very narrow view of what is okay to talk about. And they're not deviating on any of the important issues. They still think that heroin should be illegal. They still think that we should have all these wars overseas. They still have no problem with the drone program. It's pretty much a general consensus among them on all the issues that the alternative media is very, very serious about. So meanwhile, the people that we know personally, the people who have gotten screwed over this past month and are now out of jobs and are unable to go around and research these stories to the extent that they did before, you know, the live streamers and the journalists who have been keeping up on these stories, they are the ones who are doing the real work. And in many cases, we're the ones who are pushing the narrative too, because nine times out of 10, the news is just reporting about the stuff they found out online or what initially went viral on social media. And, you know, as I said before, we, we've definitely threatened that, but Still, after all this time, even some people who follow our work, I don't think they see this divide. And I think they still look at the traditional media establishment as journalism. They still look at these press briefings as a reality when it's nothing but the government delivering you word for word the exact information that they want you to have. And it's all a pre-scripted list of reporters that are able to be in there i've i've talked to individuals who have gotten press passes to be in there and they have just gotten it out of luck or by a connection or anything they weren't on the regular list so and they weren't able to be called on they weren't able to have their questions asked pretty obvious that that's just an establishment show there and i think that even more I've never seen this in the past. Like, in the past couple of years, you didn't see this whole journalism thing. And still, I, I guess it was maybe Trump attacking them that maybe made them go this whole defensive journalism thing. But I think a lot of it is to try to maintain their credibility in the face of alternative media as well. Well, we don't always agree with Noam Chomsky, but uh, one of his quotes, I think, resonates especially with this um, scenario is, the smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion, but allow very lively debate within that spectrum. I think they're doing a wonderful job of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a perfect way of describing it. Yeah, it's why CNN's able to get away with things like saying that the biggest terror threat in the U.S. is white men. You know, and, and that's like, <laughs> if you would say that on, on uh, if I would go and say that right now on Facebook, I would be banned. You know, or if I said that on Twitter, I would be banned. Yeah, they they are doing uh like equal opportunity banning now. I um I think Matt Bergman got a ban for calling somebody a white devil like a couple weeks ago. It's interesting to see people up in arms about the whole Acosta situation when we've seen more uh, kind of pressure from the federal government, well at least rhetoric coming from them about Julian Assange as well about uh, how he's facing or he could be facing some possible charges and they're trying to close in on prosecuting him or whatever. I mean, we've been hearing this for a while, but it seems to be uh, escalating even more in the past week or so. That's a great point. Like, people are more worried about Jim Acosta, who's contributed absolutely zero, like, probably negative to humanity, when Julian Assange is about to be thrown in prison for waking up millions of people and trying to stop war and, and bridge the divide and here, here he is about to go to jail, and, and that his story is but all but like a blip on the on the media, you know. And in, in the meantime, we're 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 talking about some if the video was edited over Jim Acosta karate chopping the White House intern's arm, you know. That's that's the news instead of actual Julian Assange who showed Americans video of actual U.S. troops gunning down reporters from from a helicopter. Um, he's going to jail. And and um, or or he might be going to jail soon. He's, shit, he's been in jail, you know, in the embassy. But uh, you know, we find out that the U.S. has had a, a essentially like a international warrants out for him. Well, it doesn't play into the partisan narrative because both sides hate Julian Assange now. Back, you know, maybe I don't know how many years ago when the Chelsea Manning video first came out, uh, collateral damage, I believe it was called, through WikiLeaks. 
WikiLeaks and Julian Assange was like a hero of the left at the time because I think that was uh, that was still Bush era, maybe wasn't it, or at the very tail end of it, beginning of Obama, end of Bush. Yeah, I think it was um, 07. Yeah, so you know he was kind of like a hero of the left at the time, and the right was after him, calling him a traitor. The left was all defending him, but then once he starts putting out stuff that kind of shows, I guess. Uh, gives a little bit of favor to Russia's side of the story on geopolitical events where the U.S. is attacking Russia's uh, allies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or when he, when information about uh, Hillary Clinton comes out through WikiLeaks and possibly sways some people's opinion about her, then the left hates him. And I think that the right never reconciled the issue with him being a, a quote-unquote traitor. And the left is so triggered about the election that he is an enemy to both of them at this point because of all this dumb partisan bullshit. Well, WikiLeaks like famously said last year, last October um, in 2017, that everyone loves WikiLeaks when we're publishing information about those they politically oppose. There's so much truth to that, you know. The, Julian Assange, like uh, I think one of his final last tweets, you know, before he was uh, silenced, he actually went after Trump for his subservience to Saudi Arabia, and this is well before Khashoggi and all this, you know. So earlier this year, Julian Assange tweeted out that the Trump administration's subservience to Saudi Arabia's military adventurism in Yemen has led to eight times the drone assassination rate of Obama. Most killed are civilians. Obama, in turn, had ten times the drone kills of Bush. That's why they're not talking about Julian Assange, because he doesn't fit into the left-right paradigm just like us. So he's an enemy of the, of the established order on information. And um, so he's deemed a threat, silenced, and not talked about. It's like almost clairvoyant, right? Because now the world is seeing his subservience on full display after he sanctioned just a few people in the death of Khashoggi, despite CIA evidence showing that the, the Saudi high king actually ordered this um this assassination of a journalist which is crazy and had any other country like um had assad been accused of it with even zero evidence rest assured we'd have sent in drone strikes or something like this but trump on the other hand he's uh he's he's like oh well we should we should probably you know wait to see if there's any more evidence well why didn't you do that when there were these false flags going on in Syria where you launched 100 Tomahawk missiles and into a sovereign country with, as an act of war? When he was saying wait for more evidence, what he really meant was, hey, let me give my boys some time to cover this up. Let me give my boys in Saudi Arabia over there some time to cover this up so we could get a good story and not have to put any foreign interests at risk. Yeah, exactly. And man, there's a... I'm sure our listeners know uh, who Congressman uh, Tulsi Gabbard is. She's, uh, I mean, we disagree personally, her and I disagree politically or economically on most everything, you know, but when it comes to the anti-war stance that she has, uh, she's a fucking hero in my opinion, man. She's awesome. Um, She tweeted out uh, this week causing a whole shitstorm on Twitter uh, where she called uh, Trump Saudi Arabia's bitch. And um, man, for her to engage the you know the king of uh, Twitter um, controversy, Donald Trump, you know, and call him Saudi Arabia's bitch, like out in the public like that, that took some some balls, man. And she did it, and it was it was awesome. And um, and I think that uh, you know, a lot of people, even Trump supporters, um, actually had to to agree with her, you know, because some Trump supporters are waking up. Like um, one of them is a former employee of the free thought project, Cassandra Fairbanks. She, um, actually tweeted in support of Tulsi Gabbard. She wanted Tulsi Gabbard and I think Rand Paul to, to run on an anti-war ticket and she would get, she would join it, which is no surprise, you know, but, (laughs) um, it was, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that there are people like Tulsi Gabbard out there and Rand Paul questioning this is, uh, is pretty amazing. But on the same note, you know, um, this isn't in the media, you know, this is the story, the, the biggest, the biggest outlet to cover Tulsi Gabbard calling Trump Saudi Arabia's bitch was RT. And yeah. And you'd think more, more of these politicians would be using this opportunity to call out Trump as well. I mean, you know, this is the opposite of making America great again. So, you know, what, they're all two Saudi Arabia's bitches. That's why they don't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what we have two politicians now are actually honest about this and what 
533 more <laughs> that need yeah. to actually be on. I mean, no, exactly. And and um, people tried to jump on Tulsi Gabbard to say that she had no reason to speak because she went to Syria and met with Assad to try to prevent war. Actually, but they didn't. They didn't mention the fact that she went to Syria openly. She didn't do it in secret. And she she spoke not with like Assad. John McCain. Yeah, going into the Ukraine, you know, and meeting with literal Nazis. Not not this uh, Antifa shit. Literal Nazis who literally salute, do the Hitler salute, and want to kill everybody but their their race. Yeah, John McCain did that. But no, uh, Tulsi Gabbard went. She met with Assad and trying to bridge a gap that to, to not to prevent war. She came back with some of the most honest intelligence that any of U.S. intelligence system couldn't even get. You know, and this Isn't was isn't she a veteran as well? Is that she is, is a veteran? Correct? Yeah, yeah. She actually was in Iran. She like saw, she saw combat. It's uh, yeah. So she, I mean, she has this the the credibility to do all this, and uh, so people failed miserably trying to, you know, tie her or, or try to say she's some kind of demon for visiting with Assad, and they they just repeated the same establishment narrative that Assad is you know murdering his own people and everything. And granted, he's he he. He has not been, he's not like a great person. He's not a good person, but, uh, you know, there's so much evidence showing to the contrary of like all these, these chemical attacks that they're not actually the Assad regime doing them. When I read her tweet, the first thing that popped in my mind, and I guess I'm just starting to be conditioned about all this, but I, I read her tweet and I thought to myself, man, that sounds like it's going to be deemed as hate speech. I wonder if Twitter is going to <laughs> remove this post and, and block her. And then I started thinking, I was like, well, I don't know. Like she, I don't think that's how it works with like politicians or celebrities. Like they're kind of allowed to say whatever they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you could say, you can say anything about Trump. Um, like, I mean, I'm not standing up for the guy, but you know, people call for his death all the time on Twitter. You know, they call for, they call for genocide of, of, of white people and genocide of capitalists and, uh, they get away with that all the time, you know. So yeah, if Trump is fair game. I think you can pretty much say anything about him. I think you can even directly threaten him, you know. And and they don't they don't give a shit. He'll just block you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can we take a second to talk about hate speech though? Because I feel like it's one of those like very ambiguous terms. Uh, and I actually took a second to to look up the the definition, uh, which is is speech that attacks a person or group on the basis or attributes such as race, religion, ethnic origin, national origin, sex, disability, sexual orientation, or gender identity. I thought the, the one that kind of struck me as the most interesting was national origin. I mean, when I think of nation, I don't think of necessarily it being your like ethnicity or your race. I feel like that's something that's kind of ingrained into us, we're indoctrinated into. So, or are you saying that maybe it could prevent people from uh, speaking out against a political organization, perhaps? That's kind of more or less what I'm thinking. Yeah. Dude, you know, when they start like saying that criticizing Saudi Arabia is hate speech, we better all start moving to an island, you know, because <laughs> that's, yeah, that, I mean, that's where, to, that's what I think that, that the slippery slope of, of, uh, you know, talking, saying that you can't criticize certain countries or anything like that. A, a, a Twitter user was banned uh, this week or last week. A feminist um, said that men aren't women, which is, I mean, that's a logical fact, right? Men aren't women. You know, my, uh, trees aren't rocks. You know, that's, that, that's, that's how it goes. My hand is not my foot. So that's like a, that's a, a statement. But she got, she got banned for that from Twitter and they and they classified that statement that simple statement that men aren't women as uh as as hateful speech and and they banned her and it says cuz that she said that Twitter's reasoning was that the it was promoting violence against or threatening or harassing other people of an ethnicity national origin sexual orientation gender gender identity um or religion or disability or serious disease and I don't think that that was being hateful at all. Even in the context that the tweet was in, it wasn't, um, it was just a response to three people, you know, and this is a feminist who was just trying to, you know, stand up for women's rights and, and saying that men aren't women. And yeah, she was banned for that. And, um, that, that, that same thing happened in, uh, in October, uh, another feminist group put up the, uh, the, the dictionary definition of woman, you know, which is noun, adult human female. And um, she had, she was forced to remove all those billboards. And um, then she was lambasted in the British media. And 
as like some as a as a hateful person and everything and she's not totally not against any lgbt or any any uh transgender person or anything she just she's a feminist who is outspoken for women's rights and believes that the you know believes that in the definition of a woman and that's that's it you know i don't definitions think, matter yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah I- that that kind of ma- makes me want to uh, open a can of worms that I've I've been getting into recently, um, and that is is the sense that like as you guys are saying these definitions there there is this new kind of sociological movement to change definitions for things in order to bring in. Um, Information that I I think has legitimate points, but I don't think we should change definitions because of it. So, for example, like in this case of the the gender that we're talking about, I don't personally agree with traditional gender roles in the sense that I don't like sports. Uh, I don't really care about cars. I'm not athletic in any way. I don't care about being strong. I'm not the least bit competitive, and I have no interest in being alpha or whatever that 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 means. So, so all that stuff, that society stuff, I think is completely ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't think, and including uh, sexual orientation, pe- people should be able to do whatever they want in that realm. When it comes to definitions, though, it's like we need some way to denote who's born with a penis and who's born with a vagina just for medical reasons and stuff like that. Like, you know, and, and so, and, and the other thing is like, if we're not going to believe in binary traditional gender roles, then why do we have to have the definitions change? You know what I mean? Um, we, we could just do away with the gender roles and still assign names to the genitalia. That that's kind of how I feel, and in the in the more more even more complicated subject of racism, there's the element where they try to say that, you know, only white people can be racist because it's this privilege plus power thing, and um, you know, when for the longest time racism means just hating person hating a person for their race, you know, being prejudiced against them for their race, now. Privilege and power obviously exist. They obviously are an important part of the equation when you're talking about the conditions that exist in society. You know what I mean? And I think it's obvious that, you know, at large, most black people are going to have a different experience with racism than most white people. And that's valid to talk about. However, when you change the definitions of things, it makes it impossible to even talk about that stuff when you try to forcefully inject it into the conversation by putting it into the definition, if that makes any sense. So, like, I think that these SJWs would get way further with their actual, you know, I mean, if they were being honest and stuff, uh, with their actual legitimate goals of, you know, addressing the issues of of, uh, power relationships and stuff like that. If they were to actually say that, yeah, racism exists in all sides, but like, let's talk about the the power structure and how it affects people of color. You know what I'm saying? That's an entirely different conversation that I think it instead of changing the definition, which puts up barriers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's what instead of actually attacking the problem, um, m- many of these uh, social justice warriors like that are. They're just trying to change the arena in which the battle is fought by removing anybody who questions what they say or their authority, and then um, that way they win every argument. So when they 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 claim to be politically correct, but it's it's not really political correctness. It's more it's more related to intolerance, and so they don't tolerate any opposing views within their circles. So and they they make these circles by changing definitions, and then. Um, and creating the, the the these arenas where their arguments win, even though many of their arguments are entirely illogical and, and make no sense whatsoever, um, and it's it's scary that that's actually happening. You know, with the, this information age, that they're, that these that some of these people can, you know, rewrite reality to live in these bubbles that, that in which they win all the arguments, and that's what 
happens when you see these crazy videos of, uh, you know, like a, a low IQ Trump supporter just shuts down some crazy social justice warrior in like two seconds with just logic, just asks a question, you know, and they're unable to answer it. And they result in because their 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 bubbles collide and they're unable to, you know, to process information that's contrary to this force fed bullshit reality that they've been given for this entire, you know, like maybe college career or or, or whatever. And um and and, there, now, and, they, and it, it takes away from the power of the real problem. You know, there there is racial disparity, dude. The the drug war targets people of color far more than it targets any white man ever. And a white man and a black man go to the jail for they both have a, a two grams of cocaine. The white man is not going to jail. The black man has like a ninety percent chance higher rate of going to jail for the exact same crime. And I'm that's pretty sure us white people do more drugs too. I mean, definitely more cocaine, probably. But I mean, seriously, like so. But you don't, you don't ever hear these people talking about that. You always hear them talking about the like these definitions, and they want to, they want it's because they're trying to create this arena. I believe that they control, and then that way definitions don't matter anymore as long as they're the ones that write them. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting study, and I haven't done it yet, but it would be interesting to see like who. I know that the postmodernists get blamed for it a lot, but I, I don't think that they're entirely guilty for it. And there are some uh, postmodernists who had a, a brilliant, great things to say that I agree with. So it's a very nuanced conversation on that level. But it would be interesting to see where these definitions actually changed and who was the thinker that did it and who they were funded by and such like that. Because I definitely think it is kind of... Um, it has not brought progress to these conversations. I think it has shut off both sides even more, and it makes it more difficult to uh, communicate. And I see this happen in economic debates all the time because in anarchist circles, the debates between capitalism and communism and all these variations of both always exist. And a lot of the reason why people can't talk to one another is because each side has an entirely different definition of what capitalism and socialism means. Um, on the ANCAP side, to them, capitalism means free markets, socialism means government. To um, you know, the anarcho-communists, communism means sharing and capitalism means exploitation. So they come to the conversation with these entirely different definitions on the subject and it makes it impossible to ever come to a conclusion. And I think that the same problem is developing in race, gender, and all these other uh, areas too, where there are legitimate conversations to be had about the stereotypes and such of culture, but I don't think this conversation is being had in the right way at all. I mean, yeah, definitions and logic matter. We can't just start bending the rules. And I feel like these kind of catch-all euphemisms such as like fake news or conspiracy theories or hate speech um, are basically like intellectually lazy way of responding to like their emotions. And more or less, they've been kind of turning these terms into being censored. You know, this, this is what they use to as a mask, as a veneer to actually employ censorship. But generally the people who are screaming these, you know, fake news or hate speech are generally just feeble minded people who are too intellectually lazy to know how to articulate an argument as a response. There's these two guys, Peter Bokhazian and um, James Lindsay, right? They, they prove this point that we're talking about. They, they, they like infiltrated academia and um, not as a hoax or anything, which is what they, they were largely referred to by the media, but to expose the problem with this. And um, so they, they, I don't know if anybody's familiar, but what they did was they published a bunch of papers in um, academia in legitimate, recognized, peer-reviewed journals. And um, I mean, they, they, they were the most absurd topics, like... One of them, they they actually just rewrote uh, Mein Kampf, Hitler's Mein Kampf, and then changed, uh, took out the word Jew and put in like white man. And um, they actually it got almost it got reviewed and got almost to the point of publishing. And um, and they won awards on they some won of, awards on, the on some of these. Yeah, they won awards on on one of I think it was the one where they like. It was something. The, it about was either dogs the fat or, body. It was either the fat bodybuilding or the dog park. Uh, 
sexism one. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was the dog parks, which was in, it was fucking insanity. I heard it dog on, uh, shitting on each other's heads and stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, like uh, the 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 patriarchal um, society transposes to dogs, or it, it, I don't know. It's it's it was some ridiculous study, but they not only did it get published. It had absolutely zero evidence behind it. They fo- they made up all the numbers, and it got published, it peer- or got peer reviewed, then published, and they got selected and won an award for this paper that they completely made up. And and that's what they, they they set out to do this to not to to make fun of these you know this people, but to prove this problem that's going on in that in this arena. And this is like these are this is academia. This is what we're teaching people right now, and it's like a spreading problem. Yeah, I think that the the college system and, uh, of course, the public school system has a lot to do with this. And you see it, and, you know, I, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I, I know people that are in, in the college system. And you can see that it's like, okay, the college must have been talking to you guys about voting this week because that seems to be, you know... And and my wife goes to college, too, and she says that she sees the stuff real bad. They'll be putting their heads full of all this crazy stuff, and she's even more, um, you know, progressive than I am in certain ways, and she thinks it's crazy. Yeah. And But, yeah, you could definitely tell that people are adopting their worldview from these colleges, and... It seems like they put more trust into the colleges than they do into their high school, like into what they learn. And I think a lot of people get some kind of superiority from going to college, too. And they think that they know shit that other people don't because, you know, <laughs> they're being brainwashed by a professor. Yeah. And, that, and that's what you get. That's what you gain when you create these arenas and you redefine words and everything that you you are have the upper hand, the the superiority, the. So it, it's in the name of like uh, social justice. These people are literally turning into tyrants. You know, they're they they sh- shut up everybody else who they don't agree with. They they disallow any any free speech, and they're the only ones that can talk and have the arena. And that's the opposite of what they're trying to get. You know, and I think that's where Jordan Peterson is um, so spot on with that. You know, he 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 exposes a lot of that and shows how they're. It's like the it's this neo Marxism movement that is 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 pretty dangerous and you know these guys uh like that their studies that they published those fake studies um hopefully that sets to you know make a bunch of these kids question what the hell they're really doing there you know well um, it's the the 80 20 rule right so if 80 percent of society gets on board with certain societal norms or uh beliefs worldviews then the other 20 percent gradually over the course of time uh, you know, their kids, their kids' kids start to adopt these ideas. I mean, we could look at the police state as an example. I mean, what are our, what are kids going to think? I mean, tanks on the streets, that, that was new for us. You know, we didn't have NRAPs when I was growing up. That was unheard of. The more that society, the more that academia uh, pushes these concepts, and mind you, without a logical perspective, a lot of this stuff is emotionally based. And like I said, there's euphemisms, a lot of intellectually lazy people, who don't necessarily uh, understand the concepts that they're trying to to espouse, but because their friends all believe it, because it feels like the right thing to do, or there's some kind of warm, fuzzy feelings attached to the emotional side of things, they feel like they're in the they're doing the right thing, but it's not always the case. You know, I think that's what kind of gets me so riled up about all this hate speech nonsense. I mean, a few of my posts now have been p- pulled down because of quote hate speech. And uh, to me, I don't know, it's just definitely lazy. And, and like Ron Paul says, you know, we're dire need of intellectual evolution, intellectual revolution. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I will I will say that uh, we I, I actually will address some uh, some criticism that we got on the last one in this regard from uh, somebody who follows me that that hit me up respectfully and 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 took issue that we talked about the issue of the blackface versus people calling for extermination of races and, and, and just talking about the spectrum of what happens in as far as the problems called caused by racism and quote-unquote hate speech and how it isn't that much of a problem. And I think that people are just used to hearing a certain thing, you know what I mean? And 
if you deviate from that, then you are in the racist category or in the bigot category. And I think we saw this happen with the Kanye West thing because everybody started saying that he was, uh, you know, shilling for Trump and he was a Trump supporter and stuff. He did put on the hat, but he never really supported Trump's policies. He, he just like was nice to the guy and went there and told him that he was wrong about cops and that he was wrong about a whole bunch of things. You know, not many people can be able to get their way into the White House and tell Trump that he was wrong about a bunch of shit and actually have him still saying kind things about him. You know, so I, I just I but yet he is still being called all these names. He donated all this money to the security guard who was killed by the cops. He's donated money to the uh, California wildfire victims and stuff like that. And I, I just think that when you deviate from the regular parroted things that everybody says, especially on the issues of race or gender, especially if you're a, a white dude with a penis that's, you know, planning to stay that way um you find yourself in uh, you know in the crosshairs because we're not allowed to have opinions about this stuff i have to say that when people come back to us with feedback i take it to heart and i listen to it you know what i'm saying because maybe my perspective is clouded by my own life and i'm perfectly willing to admit that but i still have the right to think and and respond to that criticism and and talk about it you know what i'm saying yeah, I I agree, and that that's the problem with people these days because they're all redefining their own definitions and bubbles and keeping themselves and and with Facebook's help and everything, they're they're unable to take an idea and that's not and without holding it self evident and actually critically think about it or even for that matter criticism. You know, like fuck fuck, give me one idea that blows my mind. If you try to criticize me, I'm gonna start crying, and you know, you're then you're then you're you're a hate you're it's hate speech you know um that's 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 a big problem and and you hit the nail on the head man it's when people come and and they want to uh offer criticism and they do it in a constructive and fine and nice manner then that's dude that's how progress is made you know that it's it's when people jump into these vitriolic conversations and not even conversations just yelling matches and shouting matches or they just you know, some people email us because they don't like an article that we put out and they'll be like, ah, oh, you fucking tyrant, fucking pieces of shit. You know, I hope you die and all this. And um, that what is that doing? You know, <laughs> that's not doing anything. Um, but and it's and I think that the, the reason that people are, are unable to do that more and more so these days is because they're being kept in these these bubbles um, that, that, that social media giants like Facebook and Twitter are helping to create. And you're, the point you made right there was, like, yelling people down obviously has not gotten anywhere. And then Kanye West tries a different approach and is able to, to bring up prison reform in the White House. And his wife is able to get a, a former pot dealer sprung from jail. So I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you get more uh, – what, what's the saying? Flies you get more with bee- honey. Exactly. Yeah, bees, yeah. bees with honey. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get more flies with something else. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a good place to wrap it up today. I'll remind everybody to please hit the subscribe button, rate, review, share, all that stuff really, really helps us stay alive and keep this going, you know, this Free Thought Project 2.0 that we're running here. So thank you again for staying with us and stay free. Peace. Peace.